0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash Bluewire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Welcome in Bears fans. It's another loss for the Chicago Bears. They have now dropped to three and eight on the year. Falling on the road to the Atlanta Falcons, 27-24. Um, the Bears' offense not get to 30 points. The defense did give up 27 points again, and it was just kind of a another weird back-and-forth game. Um, the Bears did have a 17-7 lead, blew that lead in the second half. And a lot of questions um, coming from this game. I'm your host, Zach Pearson. I'm joined here, as always, in the post game by Andrew Freeman. He said, coach. We're going to break all this stuff down talk a little bit about justin fields uh, an injury update as well as the defense Um, a little play calling i know andrew wanted to get into that but let's kind of just give our initial thoughts on this game and we'll start with you andrew
2: yeah i mean it it, this is one of those where we talked about it in the past how like some of these losses that the bears have had has kind of been a, a blessing in disguise in a way because we've seen some really good stuff from the offense um and Justin Fields has been playing lights out the last few weeks. Um, this game felt like a step back um to in that sense, you know, because you know, Justin Fields made some incredible plays in this one. I know we're gonna break it all down, but yeah, the offense definitely regressed. And I mean, this is going up against a Falcons defense that has not been very good um at all this year. One of the worst defenses, in the NFL. So to see the Bears. You know, I know they scored 24 points, but they benefited off of a lot of short fields in the first half. And the second half, I just felt like if Justin Fields wasn't doing something spectacular on third down, like they weren't able to do anything out there. So, uh, very disappointed in the second half and really the final drive. You know, I'll we'll be covering a bunch of that stuff as we get into this. But my initial thoughts are that this was a bit of a step back. Like, you know, I still feel pretty good about. You know, Justin Fields. And, but the big storyline for him is, you know, what's his health situation going forward? Because he got beat up in this one. And that's something that you don't want to see moving forward.
3: Yeah, you're right. I think the Bears really took a step back. I mean, you look at this game, right? And the defense, for what it's worth, allowed six first downs on that opening possession of the Falcons. And you look at the offense, right? In a way, you could say that the offense really collapsed down the stretch here, right? It's like, They were up 17-7 going into the second quarter or halfway through the second quarter. And then all of a sudden, I think the major turning point in this game was Cordero Patterson having that 103-yard kickoff return for a touchdown. And, you know, one thing that's been such a struggle for this Bears team this year, whether it's offense, defense, or special teams, is that when the other team makes a game-changing play, makes a play that changes momentum – The Bears, unfortunately, are not able to respond with a major play of their own. And real quickly, I just want to say for Justin Fields, like we don't know the extent of his injury. It's probably going to be a collarbone or a shoulder injury, but ultimately this is another one of those cases where Justin Fields didn't fail the Bears. The Bears failed Justin Fields because the core around him, which includes offense, defense, and special teams, didn't get the job done when it needed to be done.
1: Yeah, and just to kind of update everyone, um, Justin Fields is being driven to the uh, medical tent for further evaluation. He was on the back of the cart leaving the game um, immediately after. So that tells me it's the shoulder, because you saw him at the end um, holding that shoulder after the the first run where he got kind of tackled out of bounds. Um, And I guess let's just start there, because for me, I thought Luke Getze did a good job for most of the game. Um, He he had to adjust. The, The Falcons played the run really well and whether it was fields maybe with a hamstring injury maybe his legs were kind of giving out um, he couldn't rely on him he came down the field on that drive in the fourth quarter that was capped off on a David Montgomery touchdown I believe it was five for five kept plays alive with his feet but wasn't scrambling for first downs and wasn't running like we're used to now you go to that final drive and, and the defense you know they could have done a better job they, they did hold them to a, a young Hoku field goal gave their offense the ball again for the third straight game with a chance to kind of come down and either take the lead or tie it. The play calling to me is just ridiculous. And, you know, Luke Getzey got the praise this week. He's gotten the praise the past couple of weeks and deservedly so. I think I think he's been really good. Um, but I think we can kind of put the head coaching stuff to bed after this one. They come out and they run a designed run on fields who has been laboring pretty much all second half. He gets to the sideline, he gets out of bounds, It's tackled out of bounds, lands on that shoulder really hard awkwardly. And the Bears have to call the timeout um to, to give him some you know time to kind of recover. And the good news is it's it's not his you know throwing shoulder, but it's still a, a tough injury and a half. The very next play was another run for Justin Fields. Well, what are we doing here? Open the ball, open the playbook up a little more. Let, let him throw the ball. This is one of the worst passing secondaries. In the NFL, I just, you know, the play calling of those first two plays alone, you got your quarterback hurt. You weren't fooling anyone. And then your quarterback throws an interception, whether, you know, it's even Montgomery's fault, his fault, whoever's fault. I I don't know. I I frankly don't care. Um, I I think the the play calling of those first two plays really set the tone for that drive. And now you have to worry about your quarterback getting hurt, and you're going to have to potentially see Trevor Simeon um, against a, a very, very good New York Jets defense. Go look what that Jets defense did to the Patriots in this game. The Patriots won that game in a late punt return. Go look what they did to that, that offense in this game. It, it could get ugly next week, but yes, the health of Justin Fields is a main story. The, the I don't even know how to say it, but just the ridiculous play calling at the end was just, I don't know, mind-boggling in my ass.
2: Yeah, I mean <laughs> – so it, it felt like throughout this game, it felt like Justin Fields was going with multiple things because I saw a shot earlier. I think it was like either early in the fourth quarter or it was after that that last touchdown drive that the Bears had in the second half. And then they showed a shot of Justin Fields getting his hamstring worked out as well. So he was banged up in this one, whether it was the hamstring or whether it was a shoulder at the end. Like clearly, um, you know, he was banged up. And I mean, you talked about it. It was just asinine for Luke Getze to come out You have under two minutes left. You have all your timeouts. I get it. Like you don't technically, you don't have to come out throwing to start the drive. But I mean, to call two back-to-back quarterback runs, and and here's the thing about this: the Falcons generally played these quarterback runs that the Bears had that have had success on the last few weeks. They played them very well. I know the Bears ran for 160 yards in this one, but again, a lot of that came off of you know just the scrambles, and also like the Bears ran the ball 41 times in this one, like so they ran for a lot of yards, but they weren't necessarily doing it efficiently. And when you're not running the ball efficiently like that, you know, what it does is especially if you're doing it on first and second down all the time, which it felt like every single Bears series was like the same thing over and over again, where you'd have two really conservative, conservative runs on first and second down, it would put you in third and long. And then Luke Gessie would say, you know, kind of put his hands in here and say, okay, well, I, you know, my runs didn't work. Justin Fields, why don't you go bill us out and do something awesome. and, you know, Justin Fields did quite a bit of that. I mean, that last touchdown drive they had was basically all Justin Fields making something out of nothing on third down because receivers weren't getting open. You know, the offensive line had some breakdowns in this one, and it was just frustrating. So the fact that they would come out and do that same strategy again when when I felt like the Falcons did a really good job of playing that stuff all game long, the, the lack of self-awareness to say, like, okay, this hasn't really been working for us all that much. I know Justin Fields, he's a really explosive uh, runner in the open field but at the same time we're getting him killed out there and he's had some success um in the passing game here throwing down the field like um he had that big play to david montgomery on that touchdown drive on uh, to set up that touchdown where you know he extends the plays he rolls out he just throws a dime along the sideline to david montgomery right there like that's the stuff he's been doing really all year long on, the, on those um second reaction type of plays he had that touchdown earlier in the game to Mo- mooney he had that big play Comet which Comet made a fantastic catch early in this game which I have to shout him out for but yeah I mean it felt like if Justin Fields wasn't doing a, something amazing like that the Bears weren't really moving the ball all that match all that much in this one I think a lot of that again a lot of the blame for this has to go on Luke Getzey I just did not think he called a good game whatsoever and a lot of that has to do with the predictability on first and second down you're not putting your offense in positions to succeed and like you said Zach like this is not like this isn't like what's next, what next week's going to be, you know, the jets have legitimately maybe the best defense in football, the Falcons are a bottom five unit. So the fact that you're coming out all conservative against this Falcon secondary, that outside of AJ Terrell, isn't good. They don't have a pass rush. And they still got four sacks in this one. Um, just I, it, it boggled my mind to see some of the decisions that were made from a play calling standpoint, because it, it wasn't good. It wasn't sound process for sure.
3: Sports betting continues to take over the sports world, and with fall right around the corner, there's going to be action from every major league sports league across the country on our own TVs. If you're like me, you're glued to the couch watching as many games as you can. Our friends at Oz Trader have got you covered with all the odds for each major sports book from around the web, all in one place, just for you. As an added bonus, OddsTrader even compares to sign-up codes and promos so you get the best deal possible. When you're trying to find the best book, it's always best to have the best sign-up codes and promotions. Sometimes those even come with boosts, even additional money deposits. The app gives you a complete rundown on any game, including statistics, injuries, key game stats, game day weather, keeping you, the fan, as informed as possible. And sometimes if you're like us, You've got multiple bets going at once. Odd Trader will keep track of them all in one place for you. So what we want you guys to do is this. Head over to oddtrader.com slash wire. Once again, that's oddtrader.com slash bluewire, the number one website for all your game day bets.
1: You say before you go, I have some uh, little breaking news. And it's not. Gonna, it's actually not breaking news, but this is not going to surprise anyone at all. Matt Iberflues talking to Mark Rohde about Justin Fields and the injury. And you guys can pretty much tell me what he would say or what he was going to say here. But he pretty much said that um, he, he uh, got dinged in the left shoulder and the doctors are taking care of it. And guess when we'll know? Wednesday. So there we go.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, I totally agree with what Andrew said there. It's like this, I think, and I kind of had mentioned this in my um, pregame predictions, which we drop on Bear pro bear report as a staff every week i said i was like this is i think the week to go ahead and kind of get this passing offense going right and you look at the numbers in the passing offense like fields was 14 of 21 153 yards with an overall rating of 84 right and then you look at the numbers like when david montgomery is your leading receiver it basically means that you're underutilizing guys like mooney and chase claypool and i understand there was a whole argument about like When is Chase Claypool going to get involved in the offense? I still think he's learning a lot because this was his third or fourth game. Mooney, I think this year the numbers have really been down. And the bigger picture I think it speaks to here is this, because the Bears, I believe right now, are slated to pick fourth overall in the 2023 NFL draft. It's like this game also proved that this team has a much longer way to go than a lot of people realize. Okay, And I say that specifically because – They're probably going to need an entirely new offensive line next year. The wide receiver room needs some revamp. They don't necessarily have anything behind Cole Komet in terms of tight end depth, which, again, that's something we discussed on this week's episode of the Picks for Polls podcast. And then the defense pretty much needs an overhaul in the front seven and some additional secondary depth because – it's very clear that when a guy like a Jalen Johnson or Jaquan Brisker or even Kyler Gordon go down, well, guess what? There's not necessarily some good depth in place to go ahead and to back up any of those guys. You know, you look at Luke Getze, I think, as a play caller. And you know what Luke Getze is like? I think that he's going to be the guy who's going to get some head coaching interviews in January. So we're about a month and away from that process starting. It's going to come up quick. But I think he's going to be a lot like, and this isn't a comparison some people want to agree with, but he's a lot like Matt Nagy in the sense that he gets praised by the national media, as well as other coaching staffs around the league for the vision that he has. He's able to command a room, but then the reality is that the on-field football stuff isn't necessarily the best right now. Getze, I think has been the most polarizing coach on the Bears staff this year because there's situations, you look at it and they work and you're like, Oh, look, Gets he's doing something right. And then there's other situations like the end of the game where you look at it and you're like, what exactly is going on here? This isn't a guy who should even be in head coach conversation. He's more so a head, I'm sorry, he's more so a coordinator that needs another two to three years of play calling experience and just experience being the guy leading an offense and designing an offense before he gets a chance to go out and really run his own show. When you look at this game, and last point I'll make here before we kind of move on. The Falcons adjusted in the second half. The Bears did not make any adjustments to kind of go ahead and keep the ball rolling in their favor, right? as soon as it was clear that the run game wasn't working, the Falcons were keying in on that halfway through the third quarter. You should have opened it up more. But then again, even that sort of came with specific caveats because it was like, well, the running backs aren't running real well. They're not running hard. So let's go ahead and let's have all these design quarterback runs for Justin Fields. So the Falcons had kind of shut the Bears' offense down. And if anything, this is going to be one of those games where we look back and we say, you know what? It's a three and eight team, but this was still a turning point because it proved that the Bears don't necessarily have the ability and the means to adjust on offense consistently enough and move forward.
1: I think the biggest, one of the biggest takeaways for me, um, has nothing to do with the, with really the quarterback. I mean, it does a little bit, but. Their offensive line is just putrid. It is really, really bad. I don't know why Tevin Jenkins wasn't playing. I'm guessing it's because he only practiced on Friday and he's been bothered by that hip injury. They probably didn't want to push him. That interior offensive line, I mean, this was the worst game they've played all season long, and it wasn't just Sam Mustapher. I know everyone wants to pile on Sam Mustapher. It wasn't just him. Cody Whitehair, a veteran, looked really bad. Michael Schofield, a veteran, looked really bad. It, it's to the point where, like, they have, they're letting guys in untouched. They're confused on whether it's a screenplay or not. I mean, it it was bad today. Like this is a Falcons defense who I believe didn't have a sack since week seven. And they had four of them today, four sacks today. It's bad. Um, you know, I, I don't know what they're going to do. I I think they have one guy you can say, yeah, he's a, a for sure starter on this offensive line next year. I think that's Tevin Jenkins. Um, I think you have a guy in, you know, Braxton Jones, who if he gets better, can be a starter. Um, I mean, he's just a rookie. He's just you have to just take the lumps with him. I mean, it's gonna happen. Um, other than that, man, I don't know what they're gonna do on this offensive line. I think they're gonna spend a lot of money in the trenches. Um, you know, I think Andrew could probably talk to him more. I haven't really looked at the free agents that are available. Um I, I think they're gonna spend money in the trenches or they're gonna spend draft picks in the trenches. I mean, they pretty much told us that from day one since Ryan Poles got here, but they, in my eyes, they need an offensive line that can protect your quarterback, and they need a game wrecker on defense. They need someone that can absolutely wreck games in the backfield. We've seen it now the past what four weeks. Every team the Bears have played have pretty much had a legit game wrecker on the defensive line. They, they you know Micah Parsons and to, to among those in Dallas. Um Bradley Chubb in Miami last week against the Lions they had Aiden Hutchinson this week you know um Grady Jarrett Lorenzo Carter guys like that just getting untouched coming in and just wreaking havoc the Bears don't have that they don't have a good offensive line and on the flip side they don't have a game record on defense
2: yeah grady Jarrett was awesome in this game he, he really took really it damn to, good he really took it to the Bears offensive line in this one like the interior didn't really have any answers for him um, both in the run game and the pass game. But I mean, that's what Jarrett does. Like you said, like you said, Zach, like the Bears don't have that, that type of guy on their defense. And, you know, speaking on of the offensive line in general, like, I agree. I think that's a big takeaway from this one. Um, I mean, you're, you're going into next year. And I think, you know, Tevin Jenkins is a lock for next year to be a starter because he's been legitimately one of the best guards in football this year. When he's been out there and the coaching staff doesn't have him on the bench for whatever reason, which I still, I don't understand what they're, what their deal is with J- Jenkins this year because first it was, you know, all the drama that happened in training camp. And then it was, you know, we're doing this rotation with Lucas Patrick and, you know, I, I guess they, I guess he must be still hurt, I guess, because he didn't, they didn't start him today. Um But you feel good about Tevin Jenkins moving forward at right guard. Um I I think you feel pretty good about Braxton Jones because I think like you said, Zach, like he's a rookie, he's a fifth round pick as a rookie too. Like there are going to be some growing pains there. So I, I think, You know, I'm willing to play that one out because I know, again, like left tackle is an important spot, but, you know, I'm willing to let that play out because I I think he's definitely shown some flashes there. And I think this regime is going to let that play out as well because they seem to be really, really big fans of Braxton Jones and what he's done so far this year. But, I mean, you need upgrades at center. Obviously you need an upgrade at right tackle. And I think, you know, if they have the opportunity to do so, I think they're going to try to look to upgrade at left guard as well because Cody Whitehair, you know, he's a solid, started for the most part but um you know he I think he's running his course as as the as a mainstay for this offensive line moving forward like I think you know they're gonna look to try to get out of that contract and you know start fresh there and you look at the free agents again we don't want to focus too much on that here because that's that's probably a topic for another day but like I mean Zach knows I sent him a picture of this you know the other last night I was kind of going through some options for Bears offensive linemen in the offseason like Elton Jenkins is probably going to be an option for them you know Getsy knows him very well from Green Bay. Uh, If you want to look to upgrade at center, like Ethan Pochich, he's been one of the best centers in football this year for the Browns. So, I mean, maybe that's a try. He he shouldn't be too expensive. So there are some options for them to look to upgrade this offensive line. But in the meantime, like, yeah, they need to get Tevin Jenkins back out there. You know, Reeves has been fine for what he is at right tackle. But, yeah, they need to overhaul this unit. Um, and if they don't, like, it goes into my biggest takeaway here. My biggest takeaway here is that, like, when the Bears have to pass, their passing offense just just does not have what it needs to in order to have success there. And we've seen over the past few weeks, and a lot of – it seems like a lot of, um, let's just say personalities out there have tried to spin this as an anti-Justin Fields narrative because the Bears, whenever they needed to pass near the end of these games, they haven't been able to put together drives um, in the passing game to um, come away with these close wins here. And to me, it's less of a Justin Fields issue. And, again, Justin Fields isn't flawless. Like, he had that big miss to to Darnell Mooney early in the game. That should have been a touchdown. Um, That last interception was, you know, not not a great throw by him by any means. But this entire operation just doesn't work because they don't have the offensive line, like we've mentioned, to – pass protect in true passing situations where the defense knows they're going to be passing or at least has an inclination of an idea that they're going to pass. Like if it isn't coming off of some kind of play action or RPO, this offensive line has no ability to protect in the passing game. Um, But then you look at the wide receivers, you know, other than Darnell Mooney, who again, Darnell Mooney's had some some nice things here and there, but he hasn't necessarily had a huge, um, hasn't necessarily had a huge year this year in the passing game either. Outside of him, like, who are the weapons that you're going to be looking to throw to? Like, Cole Komet um, had some – he's been coming out nicely. He had that – I'll say it again, an incredible catch, that incredible one-handed snag over the middle. That was just beautiful. And I'm not the biggest Cole Komet guy in the world, but, you know, he's definitely – he's definitely impressed me over the last few weeks or so. He's definitely playing better. But outside of those two, like, they still haven't figured out how to get Chase Claypool involved in this offense. And I kind of said that in in our preview for this uh, game – uh, for our staff picks, where I said Chase Claypool is going to be the X Factor in this one because we knew that A.J. Terrell, who's one of the best corners in football, was going to take Darnell Mooney for large portions of this game. And that's what kind of what the Falcons did. So they needed someone else to step up here, and they still haven't figured out how to use Chase Claypool. They spent a second round pick on him, and yeah, Zach, go ahead.
1: Sorry, that's exactly what I was going to say. Like, that's a heavy, uh, that's a really hefty price to pay, especially now. I mean, you're looking at it, the Bears, like you said, said they're slotted the pick fourth. I think they could get to third Mm -hmm. if the Raiders win. The Raiders are up seven nothing. That's that pick in the second round is going to be in the is going to be like thirty what thirty five to thirty eight ish. That compared to what the Ravens pick is going to be, I mean, the Ravens keep winning. They're going to kind of be pushed all the way back into that playoff pick selection. So you're right, man. I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but like that's the Claypool. They have to figure that out this yeah. year or next year at minimum, because it could be a disaster to give up a second rounder and then not even pay him to be here after. Right.
2: That season. And that was the risk when they made the move at the time, because, you know, you're bringing a guy in midseason. like it's going to take some time to get implemented into the offense. And Claypool is a guy where he's kind of one of those where he's has a very specific skill set to where it's going to take some time to get comfort with him and fields, get him on the same page, because he specializes in those, you know, go balls down the field and back shoulders and all that stuff. And that stuff, like you need a full training camp to work that stuff out. And, Yeah, I mean that's just that's just one of those things where I you have to give it time, but yeah, giving up what's gonna look like a a top 40 pick here, like we knew that was gonna be a risk. And yeah, if they can't make that work, like who are the other options in this passing game here? Like Brian Byron Pingle's done nothing for you, Equinamus St. Brown, like he is what he is. Um Villas Jones Jr. had a nice return today, but he's not a weapon in this passing game right now. Like David Montgomery is maybe your third best receiver at this point. Like it's just not it's not very good. So I mean. You said you've been not really talking for a while here. I'll get to you. What's your main takeaway from this one?
3: I mean, look, you know, and I think my main takeaway overall is just that it's – you're at a point, right, where, like, what's really important to you as a team, okay? Continuing to see these young guys develop should be the number one priority. But then again, that shouldn't really come at the expense of having some of these veterans play. Now, a guy like Riley Reef, Michael Schofield, okay, Those are players that they got into the starting lineup. Why? Because Larry Borm had the concussion a couple weeks ago. And then Jenkins, I believe, had like the hip injury or the thigh injury, whichever one it was, which is why Schofield's in the game. And, you know, what's interesting is this team has had, I think, seven or eight offensive line combinations in 11 games this year, right? So you don't have consistency up front, which then in turn kind of, hinders the inability of the quarterback to be able to find any sort of consistency in the passing game. And so really this year it's a legit development year for the bears, but ultimately like the development hasn't necessarily been good enough. Right. Cause when we sit down at the end of the season and we reflect on this year, well, guess what? The guy who's going to have taken the biggest step forward. That's not Justin Fields is going to be Cole combat because of how he's played over the last four games. But then ultimately, you look at it and it's like, in a way, I think you could begin to argue that Ryan Pohl's first offseason in terms of free agent signing was as disappointing as it got, right? Because you took flyers on guys like St. Brown and Pettis. Well, they haven't done much of anything. Then you went ahead and you brought in Byron Pringle because of the Kansas City connection. And again, he had like 40 something receptions last year, but Byron Pringle, He's either been injured or he's been disappointing. There's been zero in-between for him. I don't even think he's found the end zone once this year. And then what you're really seeing more and more is that, like, on the defensive side of the ball, cool, you have some building blocks in your secondary, but you really don't have any legitimate long-term building blocks in your front seven, right? Like Justin Jones is a player I speak highly of, and I still think he's got a chance to kind of continue to develop into a building block. Jack Sanborn, I feel like was a stud from today's game. He's really coming into his own, but has a long way to go. And then ultimately I think just all around what's frustrating, right? Is that, you know, that the talent and the potential is there, And the only way to kind of unlock some of that talent and that potential is to get the younger guys game reps. But then again, when you just stick with some of the older players, it doesn't really make a difference. And, you know, side note, can we just talk for a moment, if I'm going to add my own analysis about the Claypool trade, it's like this was my fear at the time too, that you traded for a young 23, 24-year-old player who, again, coming out of Notre Dame, like let's not be delusional here. People were very high on what Chase Claypool's would have been able to do now his first season 2020 was great second season first half his third season in Pittsburgh not necessarily very good at all or just average slash above average and now you're in a situation where it's like you gave up a hype you gave up your own second round pick which again would have basically been like a late first round pick considering the way the draft board falls every single year and now you're gonna be picking in the back half of the second round so you went from a situation where you could have had two day one starters right on your team to now you're probably looking at like a blue chip prospect. And then at most you would really have to get lucky and see the board fall in a certain way to be able to land like another impact player. And, you know, while we're on this concept of drafting and stuff, I think that Brisker and Gordon, right. And more Gordon than Brisker had their fair shares of ups and downs in this thing. But ultimately, right, I think that Kyler Gordon is still struggling to find like any sort of legitimate consistency that's making you go, yeah, you know what, he has a real chance to like be one of the faces of secondary moving forward. I think Briskers established himself as one of those guys, but Gordon's still learning on the fly. And I'm a firm believer, I think, that cross-training Gordon in training camp while it was a positive in the regular season, it may have hurt his development just a bit.
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: My thing is, my thing was froze. I'm sorry.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, the thing with
1: Gordon is, though, they didn't have an option the nickel that really like once Tavon young went down and had the injury that he had, um, you know, Thomas Graham got everyone excited last year, nothing against Thomas Graham, but I don't think he's starting or really playing anywhere. If anyone's wants to correct me on that. The thing with Gordon is people see, Oh, he's a nickel. He's a slot. Like you're wasting a second round pick on that. And I'm not advocating saying he is the, he was a great pick or anything like that. Um, but the way defense is run in the NFL, I mean, your base package is pretty much nickel uh, majority of the time. Like that's just how it is in the NFL. So I just don't think they had an option. I think that they liked what they saw so much from Kendall Vilder that they believed, okay, we have a good option here in the slot. And honest, man, like, or, you know, I don't know if you guys are disagreeing. me. I don't think Kendall Vilder has been bad this year. Like as bad as what we saw last year. So yeah, I don't, I mean, it's a tough loss. It's, Another one of those games where everything just kind of went wrong. There's another special teams mistake. I don't think people are talking about this enough. Like the Bears have had some pretty bad special teams mistakes this year. And it, that's not good. Last year, last week they missed the extra point. Richard Hightower told us it was all three steps in that were wrong. Today they give up the um, the 103-yard kickoff return. And I'll add this. I don't think it's been talked about enough. I do think Matt Irfus is, is aggressive, and I kind of like that at times. Kicking that 56 yarder and they're right there, right in midfield that swung the game completely. Like you're giving the team, the Falcons a ball back pretty much right there in prime position to go down the field when your defense, you know, has been struggling all season long. So that's a six point swing right there. I just didn't like that. Um, I guess let's kind of wrap things up and give our studs and duds for the game. Um, Let's kind of start off. Everyone give a stud out and then we'll kind of go with a dud. I'll go first. Um, with my stud i'm kind of trying to find one right now i i it's hard to to kind of come up with one on the fly um let's go i don't know um <laughs> i'm kind of struggling with one let's go with um man this is tough i will go here Here, i'll do david montgomery and i and i'll pick david montgomery for this because i do think a lot of people are down on him this year and i do think a lot of people you know Khalil herbert's been good and a lot of people have forgotten about david montgomery I think he showed today he's still a tough running back to bring down, and he has that trait of falling forward and fighting for extra yards, and I love seeing that today. I I think he came out and kind of made a statement that, hey, I'm still a pretty good running back, even though we're kind of going with the running back by committee type approach, and Field has picked up a lot of yards with his legs. I just like what I saw from David Montgomery today. I thought he had a really good game.
2: Yeah, he led the seat team and receiving. Um, and he also had sixty-seven yards on the ground, had that touchdown near the end. So yeah, I, I think this Bears running game is missing Khalil Herbert's explosiveness in the run game. Um, uh, we kind of saw that today, but yeah, you're right. Monty had a pretty good game in this one. I thought that catch he made on the sideline was pretty that was a pretty nice catch that he made. Um for me, I'll go with my stud. Um uh, Jaquan Brisker, I thought had a really nice game. Um he, he's starting to get better and better each week, I felt like like he had he led the team in tackles with 11 total tackles. He had a, a tackle for loss in this one. He also had that forced fumble that really gave the Bears. Um, I, I forget whether they scored a touchdown off of that, but it was it was the one play where he forced a fumble on Cordell Patterson, and the Bears were able to recover it in, in Atlanta Falcons territory. But yeah, Brisker, I, I think he's slowly starting to get better as the year has gone on. There have been some like inconsistencies there, but that's to to be expected for a rookie safety. But yeah, I thought he had a, I thought he had a pretty solid game overall from that safety spot.
3: Yeah, those are two really good ones. I'm gonna go ahead and say that my stud for today was Jack Sanborn, right? He had nine total tackles, kind of second on the team, right behind Jaquan Brisker. I think you look at Sanborn overall and towards the end of the game there, right? He nearly had the major tackle for loss, which I thought was ended up being a fourth and one, right? But had he tackled him three yards earlier kind of would have been a fourth and four. And again, there's a big difference between fourth and one as well as fourth and four. And so ultimately, right. The reality of this thing is that I think Sanborn to me is becoming the type of player, right. That you hope he continues to improve because there might just be more than enough there to justify him being a starter for you in the future. Now it's a totally separate conversation of what type of starter can he be? Can he be a, starter that you consistently rely on that makes game-changing plays or is he a starter that's good enough to kind of hold the fort down because he is a tough scrappy player and he makes enough plays each week to continue to set the tone for your defense for me when it comes to Sanborn I think he's the second one he's good enough to set the tone as well as make some plays and just hold his own fort down
4: No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.
1: Yeah, you know, that play at the end. I mean, he's. I think he's got the speed. He needs to kind of bulk up, though. Like, he... he He needs to get some more strength on him to make those tackles. But, I mean, those Falcons running backs, man, those guys are tough to bring down, all three of them. I mean, we really got to see Caleb Huntley today, but he's another guy that he'll make you pay. And Algier from BYU, I mean, that's a former linebacker coming at you full speed. Um, My dud today, I'm going to go with the defensive line. Um, offensive line, I'm going to go with the trenches. I just think the Bears got totally outplayed in the trenches. Um, that was pretty much the biggest difference in, in the game. Offensive, we're not blocking, giving Justin Fields a lot of time. Defensively, not enough pressure on Marcus Mariota. Um, they really struggled in that area. So I'm going to go with the trenches, the offensive line, defensive line for my dud today.
2: Really making me excited, looking forward to this Tracking in the trenches I got this week, Zach.
1: Good luck. Kudos,
2: kudos. Hey,
1: and, and guess what? <laughs> It doesn't get much easier. Next week, no. they got the Jets. I think they got f- four games remaining against top 10 pass rushes in terms of sacks in the NFL.
2: Yeah, it can it get pretty ugly pretty quickly on there. But uh, uh, for me, I think I'm going to go with Getsy's play calling it was kind of a dud for me today. Like this offense has had some more success over the last month or so. And Getsy deserves a lot of credit for that. Um, and adjusting on the fly midseason to kind of get Justin Fields involved as a runner uh, much more. Um, today it felt like it kind of overcorrected on that where he was too willing to have just used Justin Fields as a runner to the point where the Falcons were keying in on it and they, they clearly had a game plan for it and they shut it down. Um, and it's just one of those things where I get it. There's, there's not a ton of talent in this passing game right now, but at some point, like when is Getsy going to like open this thing up a little bit and give Justin Fields a chance to really show what he has as a passer consistently. And there are ways to protect this offensive line. Um, besides running the ball on first and second down every single time, because when you do that, it just, it makes it harder for them in third downs uh, consistently to pass protect. And yeah, I I just wasn't impressed with what he did. The second half was just, it was just really bad. Like it was an abomination on that final drive as well. Um, I I remember, I think it was the second drive they had in the second half where they called like two screens in a row in second and third down. And it's like the Falcons sniffed it out every single time. Like they knew those stuff were, were coming. So um yeah just way too conservative and especially against a defense like the falcons where you could afford i think to take more chances um it just felt like a missed opportunity for me so getsy while he's improved that the season has gone on this is definitely a step back for him and it's just one of those things where he's got to get back to the drawing board and I think the guy can scheme up a running game I, i gotta give him credit for that but this passing game right now is just really underwhelming and a lot of that has to do with the play calling
3: Yeah, and for me, I'm going to say, you know, my dud in this game has got to be the Bears' front seven, right? They don't necessarily have anybody good enough to consistently get after the quarterback. When you look at the opening drive of the game, I think Allen Williams had blitzed three or four times on that opening drive but then ultimately you look at it and you're just like, okay, they can't get after the quarterback and let's say, blitz heavy. And then the problem with that is that they don't have linebackers that I think are good enough in coverage to kind of hold the fourth down either. And they're certainly not in a position to send the entire house on blitzes either. So that front seven, it's going to be something next year where, and going into the offseason as well as the rest of the season, like you're just going to have to hopefully – hope that the Bears can hold this thing down till the end of the year because we got like seven or eight games remaining and then next year you know it's like you mentioned earlier Zach they need to find impact players that are able to get after the quarterback okay and it's not just a stud pass rusher I think it's a stud interior defensive lineman too they tried bringing that guy in with Larry Ogunjobi but he had a failed physical and so naturally things did not work out there so this front seven I mean we're far from seeing what it can do when there is talent but right now the talent's not there and it continues to be the one thing that wants to make every single Bears fan on Sunday afternoon like rip their hair out
1: but even then with like Larry Ojovene I don't think he's a stud like game changer like I think you're gonna if you could get Jalen Carter willing that's a good start and even like you know I haven't done a full deep dive into the draft yet but like Someone like Miles Murphy off the edge—that that's not a bad option as well. If you do fall back into that range, which they're not, I think they're almost guaranteed a lock right now for top five. And if Justin Fields is hurt, you can yeah. pencil in top five. You can pencil in almost top three right now.
2: Yeah, this uh, is a very good offseason for defensive line if they're going to address that this this offseason, like free agency um, and the draft. Like they, they they'll have the resources and the ability to to re kind of shape this this unit. It's just a matter of how they go about it and whether they execute. So yeah, we'll see how they do that.
1: Yeah. So uh, I'll wrap things up guys. Um, do you just want to give everyone where they can follow you on Twitter at and uh, everything else?
3: Yeah. So you guys can follow me on Twitter at Lucade Coach. You'll check out my work on the bear report, which includes weekly articles as well as an NFC North recap and check out the Pittsburgh polls podcast too.
2: Yeah. You can find me at AJ at AJ freeman 25, on Twitter, you can find my work at the Bearport as well. Um, I've been doing my Trek in the Trenches series every week, um, and gonna be doing that again once again for uh, this Falcons game. So make sure to keep an eye out for that. Um, also, keep an eye out because I am planning on getting into some um, as we get into the holiday season, getting some U- stuff on our Bearport YouTube channel as well. So make sure to uh, give that a view when that eventually gets released.
1: Of course, and thanks as always, guys. Thanks you two for uh, doing this as well on the post game. And we'll have a full week of coverage here during the holidays, um, Thanksgiving. I hope everyone enjoys the holiday this year. Until next time, everyone, please stay safe. Please stay healthy.
0: Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3, it comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast.